0: So friends, he is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. What a joyful, joyful day! And it's one of those favourite times of the year that uh, there is so little to even compare it with. To be honest, I'm living in Ryash. It's a uh, it's a village surrounded by the hills around the, around the Kent uh, in, in Kent as well. And I can tell you this one thing that sunrise is absolutely wonderful. This morning in particular as I've woken up, I could clearly see the darkness dispersing as the sun was rising. And you can feel the warmth on your face. As soon as the the sun is rising, you can feel the joy coming back. There is something amazing in this to compare it with the resurrection of Christ. What it does to Christian soul. The darkness passes away. The Dangerous. dangers, the doubts are gone when we know, when we believe and when we are certain that our, that our Lord is risen, he's alive. There is a hope in this life of hopelessness. There is a meaning in the world that is so confused. There is a certainty and purpose and a future in the world that doesn't know where it's going. And it is all given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is certain and it is sure. But I want to ask you about this one thing. What happens to us when the opposite is true? Can believers forget this truth? I mean, believers, we, we are quite a good theologians, aren't we? We can have a head knowledge, but often the heart knowledge doesn't follow, doesn't it? So, what happens with a believer when we actually f- forget these truths, when they do not impact our lives? Come on, help me out. Are you ever finding yourself despairing? Are you ever finding yourself hopeless, grumpy even? Ooh, just ask your wife. <laughs> How are we finding ourselves defeated, lacking energy to even get up from bed? The fight we've seen seems endless. We feel defeated at times and there doesn't seem to be anything to grasp too. There was a good advertisement one day of, of, uh, of sneakers. Uh, I don't know if you could remember, but I, I love them really. Hungry you are not yourself, eat sneakers. It was brilliant. So, but the same happens to Christians. I find it the same with my own very soul. When I forget that my Lord is alive, when I forget that He is reigning and He is reasoning power, when I forget that He's in charge of the universe, the same happens to my soul. I'm not myself. Evangelism looks different. I don't want to do it. Really, it's hard. Fighting with sin. Why for? And all of these things sneak in. But the moment you remember, your hope is real. God loves you. And the same God is sitting on the throne of heaven. You're changed. Everything is the opposite happens. You are alive and joyful and marvelling. Resurrection is one of those most important truths in Scripture that we have to believe in. And Scripture is very honest about it in many cases. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us if there is no resurrection of, the, of Christ, then our meeting today is in vain. In all honesty, we should, we should just give up as the church. If he stayed in the grave, that's it. Game over. God's promises are not going to be fulfilled. Christ has achieved nothing on the cross. We are... Our obedience to God and refusing to follow the sins of the world, like Paul says, it will be a vanity. Because if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. But if Christ has risen, the opposite is true. Isn't it? Christ's atonement on the cross is real. And how do we know it's real? Because God approved of Christ's work by raising him from the dead as a declaration to us that we have been justified, that Christ's work is finished, is done, is complete. And Christ, as a representative, is where we are going to be and join him. Our hope is secure. And every promise that Christ has given is true and is yes and is Amen. Church, that is true everything what christ has promised is going to come to pass if you are justified you will be where he is so all the fight we've seen all of the rejection of the of the evil of the world all of the things all the trials sufferings tribulations that you are going through are going to be worth it cuz you're going to be with him forever and ever in the kingdom That he promised that we'll enter in. So friends, resurrection of Jesus Christ is the answer for the troubles of our soul. Resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is meant to give us strength and hope at times of crisis of our life. We know where we are going because our Savior is there. Praise be to him. So today we're going to do something slightly different. Um, We're just going to follow the narrative on the road to a mouse. So if you would ask me, how many points do you have in your sermon? I would say, I have no idea. (laughs) Sorry, that doesn't sound too evangelical, but that is just so true. We're going to follow and see how the resurrection of the Lord affected those discouraged disciples and how it changed them from despair into praise, from weakness into joy and strength. It's an incredible story. So let's dive into it, shall we? Luke chapter 24, verse 13. So confused disciples. So that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they would take talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So I'm going to stop there. Two disciples. We know the name of at least one of them and I was clear of us. Uh, we don't really know the name of the other one unless later on he says that he was another Simon but we don't know whether that's Simon Peter. It's possible as well but they were on the way from Jerusalem. Notice that. Where they were going? To the village of Emmaus. Do you know what does the name of this village mean? Hot springs. Why is it called Hot Springs? Because there were hot springs there. (laughs) What does that mean? There were big Roman baths in in this particular village. So that was something like a touristic attraction where people just go and relax and rest. So, these guys were just going for a spa. Well, at some point you wouldn't blame them because they've been through quite a week, weren't they? When you, con- when you consider what, they- what they've gone through from the entrance into Jerusalem, triumphant entry to the point in which their Saviour, the Lord, the Christ, was rejected and crucified. And now three days later they hear the story that He's risen from the dead, from the women. I do imagine that they just needed a break. They just didn't know what to make out out of what has just happened. So these guys were discouraged. These guys were confused. And especially when you look at verses 19 to 24, you understand something of their mindset. Here are the people who are trying to make sense out of the events that happened. Verse 19. So they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, They were in a pickle. They were extremely confused about all the events because the Christ that they followed didn't meet their expectations. And that was very evident in the words that have actually spoken in verses 19 to 24. Now, what do they tell us about Jesus Christ? How do they call him in verse 19? They call him a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Is something missing there? I thought the disciples were calling him something else. Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. At this point and at this moment of their lives, as they were confused and they were chatting and they were debating about this, they just couldn't name him a Messiah because the things that happened didn't seem to fit their expectation of what the Messiah was meant to do. So the best that they can come out with was Jesus was the prophet because he was a man who was mighty in word and deeds. No one has ever did as many miracles as Jesus has done. And even as the Pharisees, Pharisees' disciples came back to them, they said, why didn't you capture him? no one has ever spoken like this man. They just couldn't. They were absolutely amazed with the power of his teaching. So the best they could come out with was that he was, Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet. And in verse 21, they express it. Why they do it? We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So notice this, they, their, their hopes were dashed to pieces. They were smashed. They told that he is the one, that he is chosen by God. They told that he's is, he is the Messiah, he's the one who, that will put everything right. That he will reverse the, the history of the world. That he will change it into the kingdom of God. That he will bring salvation to the Jewish nation, establish the kingdom there. But this, is, this hasn't happened. He hasn't what happened instead? What happened to Jesus? He was betrayed by one of his disciples, he was captured by a mob, he was secretly investigated in an illegal manner, he was tried, condemned, although he was innocent. And he was rejected and put on the cross of Calvary and he died. These people thought Messiah, Jesus failed their expectations. They just couldn't make up the story. But the things just didn't make sense to them because there was... There was a report given about the women who saw the grave being opened and the angels who had spoken to them. And the disciples came back to tell them that actually they found the grave empty. So what happened? They were confused. They were discouraged. And didn't know what to make out of it. Maybe some of you are in a similar way today. You look at your life and you think... Things just don't add up. You look at the narrative of the Bible. You maybe study. Maybe you are not a Christian yet. And you study the life of Christ. And something just doesn't click in yet. Friends. Jesus know. He knows where you are today. And as much as he drew. To help those disciples. He also is able. To drew near to you. To help you. So. There is this amazing, amazing change that happens in verses 15 to 31. Now, notice this. Someone's joining the conversation. Verse 15. Now, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is it that What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleophas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? If you ever wondered whether Scripture contains a sense of humor... This is the passage for you. It cannot be any more clear. This is the one. Just Notice it, that there are two disciples arguing with each other whether Jesus of Nazareth really rose from the dead and they are chatting about all of these things and all of a sudden the Lord Jesus Christ joins incogn- in incognito mode to, the, to their conversation. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him, which simply means that by God's power God prevented them from knowing that it was really Him for that time. Ah, oh, this is this is just, this is just in, in, incredible. Have you ever had one of those conversations? You talked with somebody about somebody else, only to recognize that somebody stands behind you and just Ooh, oops, <laughs> oopsie. <laughs> it's one of those moments. They chat about Jesus of Nazareth, and they don't even recognize He's there with them. It's incredible. But then they ask him this question. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened during these days? What's strange about this question? Do you know that Jesus was the only person at that time in the world to know exactly what had happened? <laughs> it's, just, it's just incredible. He's the only one who knew what had happened. So, but he listened. They've, They've explained their confusion to him in verses 19 to 24, as as we've read already. You know that the Lord is very gracious with us. When we go through struggles in life and we come to the Lord in prayer, he listens, although he already knows what we are going through. And he's patiently bearing with us through all of our grumblings and groanings and cries. And he just, he's there he listens but he doesn't only listen he answers i love this i love this passage from philippians 4 it is so many times quoted but it is true look at that the lord says the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything what does it mean that the lord is at hand it means that the lord is not far away from you he is near He's not somewhere far that he cannot hear. Actually, in many Psalms, it actually says, when we pray, the Lord inclines his ear towards us. He draws closer. Our pains are his pains. Our sorrows are his sorrows. Our confusion is the thing that he wants to deal with. But we need to bring it to him. So the text says further, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do, do, do you know this one thing that Jesus has a full picture of your life? Do you know that your days were written in the book of life before even the creation of the world? Everything that happens to you is not an accident. People you meet people you know, people that, you, that come into your life and go away, circumstances, your job, your children, your wife, your husband, your families. The Lord knows it all. And he has a full picture of our lives and a full picture of the world. And he knows how all the pieces fit in. Now, I wonder if you've ever, ever seen Nazca Lines in Peru. I never seen them in person, but I, I've been at some point. I've been just amazed by the structures, because when you st- those are the lines that just go for hundreds of yards in different directions. And when you stand on the ground level, you just see the lines and just little bit of a curve and just and and th- don't make much out of it. Those lines actually take about 54 square kilometers. It's huge. About there are about through about 700 of those hidden pictures. Why hidden? Because you cannot see them from the ground level. It's only when you go up into the sky, through the plane or through the helicopter, that you can actually behold the full picture of what they are. So there are hundreds of pictures of animals, of humans, of objects that are only visible from above. It's incredible. The largest one of them is 370 meters long. So that's about 1,200 feet. Or if you are a fan of McDonald's, that's about 2,500 two burgers stacked on each other. So they are huge. As some of them as big as Empire State Building. Friends, God has a full picture. He sees your whole life and he knows exactly what you need. And what did the Lord knew that these disciples needed? Conversation. But not only conversation, a lot more than this. So where does the Lord take them? Look at verse 25. He says, he said to them, All foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Uh, what do we need when we just cannot take the full picture of what's going on in our lives? What do we really need? Well, where did the Lord take these disciples? to the Word. So what do, what did do they need? They needed a good Bible study. And friends, if there was any point in that I can encourage you to, in the week be, I think you have a couple of Bible studies coming in this church. Make an effort. Be there. Because the Scripture will help you to raise up and to see things from God's perspective. And that will widen your hearts and trust in the Lord. So the Lord does it exactly the same. Notice, where did he take them to in particular? Moses, all prophets and Psalms. So technically, he's taken them to the entirety of the Old Testament. He says, listen, look, everything that happened fulfills the scripture. Everything that happened didn't go against the Scripture. It has fulfilled all the prophecies that were given about the first coming of the Messiah. Now, think about it in this way. Where did Moses write about Jesus? About his coming, his, about his birth, about his life, about his crucifixion, about his resurrection. Where did Moses write about him? remember promise from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 straight after Adam and Eve have sinned, what did the Lord says that the woman's offspring he will crush the serpent's head but he will have his heel bruised that was the first prophecy about the conquering Messiah who will defeat the power of death the power of sin And will crush it. But in the process, he will not go unscathed. He will not go unbruised. So that was one of the first promises. But what about the story of Noah and the ark? The judgment of God falling. But there was only one safe place. And if you enter into this safe place, you will arrive into the new world. And the life will start again for you. Christ Jesus. Picture of Christ. What about Abraham and the promises that in his offspring? And Paul says to us in Galatians, singular offspring, which means one, and that is Christ, all the nations will be blessed. That's Christ. That is him. What about the story of Abraham and Isaac? When they were just going to the top of the hill of Moria. And Isaac asked his father, father? Where is the sacrifice? What did, the, what did Abraham reply? God will provide. And what happened at the top of the hill? Just as, this, just as the knife was about to fall on his firstborn son, God has stopped his hand and gave him more promises. And then pointed to him. Look, there is a ram. Offer him. God has provided. What did that point it to? To the cross where God's hand would not stop. But he will offer his one and only son for our sins. It's incredible. What about Joseph's story? That he was as good as dead when he was sold by his brothers. When he was when, when he was cast into Egypt, when he was, he was even put into prison, and yet all of a sudden he was exalted to one of the highest positions at the right hand of Pharaoh to save many nations, many people. Wasn't that a picture of Christ and his ministry? What about the book of Exodus, when God saves his people from Egypt? What about the story of the Passover lamb? Didn't John the Baptist say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. What about the picture of the temple that signified our relationship to God? And only entrance to God was through the sacrifice and through one person who could enter in with one perfect and spotless and blameless sacrifice. When Christ died, he was offered and the way to the temple was open into God's presence. Friends, so all of those pictures are given to us there to remember that Christ, that everything is about Christ. Everything is about him. What would we say about if we would go through all the prophets and the Psalms? What about Psalm 22 that tells us about Christ? They pierce my hands and my feet. I'm surrounded by those who mock me. I can count all of my bones. My heart melts within my heart. Then you see cross written 1,000 years before Christ, the man, was even born. You can see the cross from his perspective. You can see it through his eyes. What he felt. What exactly was happening to him. But then the psalm ends with triumphant exaltation. That all the nations will come and praise God in him. This is a psalm of resurrection. It's amazing. What about... What about if we we'll go to Isaiah 53, the one who was offered for us since that brought atonement for us? Oh we like sheep have gone, away, have gone astray, but the Lord has put our iniquities on him. But then also, what does it say at the end of, Psalm, of chapter 53? It says, "He will see his offspring." That is implying resurrection itself as well, Psalm 16. So much quoted in, in the New Testament narrative when, when David says, You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Sheol, not let your Holy One see corruption. And the apostles use that text to tell us that the Holy One of God did not see corruption, but was raised bodily from the grave. You see, it's incredible. The whole time would fail me to start even to start even those Bible studies with you. But what about the new covenant in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, that Christ will be the covenant maker? It's incredible. You see, the, what was the problem of the disciples? Like the Lord says, "You were foolish. They were not understanding the prophets. They were not understanding Scripture. And the second part was, they were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. So they had those two problems in them. One, lack of knowledge of Scripture. Two, slow of heart to comprehend and understand it. So Jesus came to sort out those two problems. And friends, we need it all. Study your Bible. Open your Bible. Look at it and see that this book will grow, the more you will grow. The more you, the older you will get, the more treasures you will find in it, and the more glory and beauty of Christ will be there presented to you. Hmm. But there is one more ingredient essential for us, as it was essential for them on the road of a mouse, It is essential for us. You see, understanding Scripture is not enough. Reading your Bible is not enough. Oh wow! I'm gonna be in trouble, hey? It's not enough. There's one more ingredient that needs to happen. Look at verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, a mouse. And he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him stro- strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening and the day is now fast spent. So he went in to stay with them. So when he was at a table with them, He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. What did they need to really be convinced that this is Christ? Their eyes to be opened supernaturally. You know, That only happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. That only happens when the Spirit applies the truths into our hearts and makes us believe. We cannot make it of our own. We can only plead with God to do it for us. That's why when we read our Bibles, we need to, like these disciples, we need to urge Christ to open our eyes, draw closer to us, have a fellowship with us, open our eyes to see the wonderful truths from your Word. And notice what happened. Just as in verse 31, so also, also later in verse 45. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. The Lord must do it. As in the day of salvation, what happens when the Lord saves us? All of a sudden, you understand. All of a sudden, your eyes are open. All of a sudden, those truths are not just simply there. Those truths are there in your heart, in your mind. And they direct your life. The old person is gone. You are a new creation. dies by the Lord's power and strength. Friends, we need to plead with Christ. And I do think that that's why Christ was, was indicating again that He wants to go further, but... He wanted to see their reactions and they, were, they, they just couldn't let him go. This guy just explained to us the script. Come on, we want to know more. Come on, stay with us longer. Just tell us more about it. And We need to have the same attitude ourselves. Lord, draw closer to us. Don't let me settle what I know already. Don't let me settle with a life I have now, with the sanctification I have now. Lord, I need to know more and I need you to open my eyes to the truth. So what happened? So what happened to them? What was their reaction? Look at verse 32. The moment they recognized it was him and he vanished from their sight, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Question. How did the resurrection of Jesus Christ change these disciples? How did it affect them? How do we meet them in the beginning? Miserable, <coughs> sloppy, walking the road to a mouse, not knowing, confused, not knowing what to do with themselves, probably kicking stones like those little children on the way. Oh, grumpy in this dispute that they were having. Uh, were they still miserable at the end? Were they th- thinking about taking spa and just having a- some hot springs? And- Absolutely not! Those things just cease to exist to them. They were filled with joy. Their hearts, like they explained, they were burning within us when He was speaking to us the truth of God's Word. And what did they do? Even though it was already an evening, they rose and they went back to tell others that the Lord is risen indeed. It's incredible. You know, that's was seven miles. I've done this on Friday afternoon. And I have to tell you that if you do a proper power walk, that... Seven miles is about good two hours it can take you. One, one hour, 40 minutes or something if you really, really put an effort. So these guys really put an effort to get there to tell the other disciples that the Lord is alive. Something came to life in them. Their hope was restored. They All of a sudden they recognized their sins have been nailed to the cross. They recognized that Christ went into glory and He is reigning. He will be back to restore his people. He will be back to bring judgment into the world. He will be back to build his everlasting kingdom. Hope restored inside of them. Now they could see the full picture of what God was doing. This is what we need today, friends. This is what we need. Don't settle on your heart being this, this lukewarm. Don't settle on this truth to simply be there somewhere outside. Or be in your Yeah, yeah, I understand. Let them burn within you. Don't let God in your prayers until he will revive your soul and make you rejoice. Then you will have a new joy. Then you will have a new purpose. Then you will have a new direction and your life will change around you. Like when the sun is rising, when the sun rays penetrate the darkness, when you feel the warmth of them, the same is with the truth of Christ's resurrection. All what he's promised is true. All he said is true. The world is in his hands. And what does the scripture says? Is it possible for God to stop loving us? Is it possible for him, for us to be snatched from his hands? Is it possible for believers to lose our inheritance? Absolutely not! We are held by God's power for salvation. 1 Peter 1. We are expecting inheritance that is, cannot fade. Cannot be corrupted. Cannot be taken away from us. This thing has been given to you, believer, the moment when you were justified through faith in Christ Jesus. All of your sins were taken away. And now, guess what? You are a witness to these things. Look at verse 46 to 48. And he said to them, now he spoke to the whole room full of disciples, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaiming his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Question. What is the difference between witnessing and being a witness. Any brave soul can tell the difference between the two. The church can do witnessing on special occasions and times. We can bring the table out. We can go to the market. We can evangelize. We can preach and proclaim the message today, like like I do. But those are things we do on a certain time of the week. And we prepare specially for that. But being a witness, it's a special position. It's, a, it's, it's who you simply are your whole life. Do you recognize that if you really believe that Christ Jesus is raised from the dead, He is alive, and your hope is true and secure, and you are going to heaven, that will have a major impact upon your life. Your whole life will be a witness about it. Whether you, you are asleep, whether you wake up, whether you drink your first coffee, whether... Well, your hairstyle look the way it does in the morning, of course. You eat your breakfast, you go to work, whether you, whether you, the way you behave towards others, the way you live your life, your face will reveal whether you believe these things and the words that will be spoken. You are witnesses of these things. You who have been saved. You whose the grace of God has penetrated your hearts You are witnesses of Christ's resurrection. Your whole life is. So friends, just as the Lord has made a difference, huge difference in the life of those two disciples. My wish and my prayer for you and me is that the same will be true about us. Let our hearts burn for the Lord. Let our hearts be filled with joy. Let our hearts be filled with zeal. Let our hearts be filled with peace that surpasses understanding. Knowing where we are going. Having the picture from God's perspective. Knowing what God is doing. Friends, may God bless you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.